Hello and welcome back to Millennial Ag, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valen Likely and Catherine Lobspeech. Listeners, just as a reminder, we are now hosted by the Global Ag Network. Woohoo! Three weeks on it now, so that's pretty pretty exciting. And um, this week, I think we're going to, um, as everybody's probably been following because it's a phenomenal event happening in, all across the world, we're kind of going to talk about... Um, the Suez Canal and the backup of that massive cargo ship that, you know, stopped, stopped transportation and stopped um, things moving through um, the Suez Canal. So that's kind of where we're leading. I'm sure we'll tie in a few other things, um, but kind of just reflecting on that and and the impact it has on our supply chain and, and agriculture. Yeah, it's been fascinating to watch over the last week or so. Um, I mean, number one, just the size of that thing, it was massive. And I don't think, you know, pictures hardly do it justice until you get other ships or like that little tiny backhoe (laughs) compared next to it to see how big it really is. But, you know, we're nearly a year on from the first disruption in our supply chain by COVID. Um, And it's interesting to draw these parallels a year later where, you know, I've read stuff where it said like 10% of, of you know, the global GDP was on that ship and it was stuck. Well, and it, you know, I don't think it's any fault of even the captain or whoever, and maybe the ship shouldn't have even been sailing through that part of the canal, but it, it just took a gust of wind um, and low tide to get it lodged just right. And it wasn't even like completely perpendicular to the canal. It was like still at an angle. So the, the fact that you know, that canal's huge, Mm -hmm. but the ship's even bigger and to not, you know, we keep getting bigger and bigger, but I wonder if you hit a point where efficiency or how much, like 20,000 cargo containers or whatever, where, where do we draw the line? Because we start, you know, backing up not only that ship, but how many other ships were back, backed up with livestock, with coffee, with, you know, a lot of other necessities, some would say, or disposable or perishable items that, that needed to get to port. Um, and I think they said that you could get to the port that was right there. And I can't remember the, the port Suez or port said that was right, right there. But when you have that volume backed up, that port can't handle an emergency stop by how many ever. And maybe they're not even set up for livestock or maybe they don't have hay or extra feed for those cattle to, you know, sit there because do you want to do you want to transport an additional 10 days or seven days of of hay or grain or whatever they're feeding them um, so that they can get to market? Right. It poses an interesting question about um you know the just-in-time supply chain that we seem to have um you know watching it get disrupted a year ago and watching you know sort of what the the fallout has been from the ship being stuck um you know do we do we need to build alternative routes um do we need to be more accepting of the longer route going around the cape from what i understand is another um option but was going to take you know, days longer than it would to get through the Suez Canal? Um, Or do we, do we, 
need to have, do we need to break it up into smaller shipments? Um, it's, you know, questions that beg to be asked when something of this magnitude happens. Well, it is this a one-time phenomena, you know, and, and it won't ever happen again, you know, like COVID, um, or is it, or is it something that we need to plan for, you know, COVID really shook up the agricultural markets when it hit, but we're still seeing impacts of it, you know, smaller processes, processors are coming in, you know, there's still lawsuits over COVID in the plants. There's still, you know, things like that a year later, and COVID's been going on through this whole time. So there's other things that, that have shooken, sh- shooken. I don't even know if that's a word, but um, <laughs> have taken a toll on the, in, on the markets and those big packers are still seeing implications of it a year later. And they'll probably see it for years to come too. And how do we, and we're, Catherine and I's families in the grand scheme of things are probably just a drop in the they are just a drop in the bucket compared to the global agricultural network and processing and that sort of thing. But the impact it had on us, or how do we make that difference? Or do we make that difference? Or how do we secure our market so we're not relying on maybe that one processor or that one big plant to take all our goods? Yeah, it, it um, puts forth the idea of risk management on an entirely different scale, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, because you think that you've planned for all the what ifs and then something crazy happens and you've got to start thinking outside the box as far as um, terms of risk management or how you're going to spread out, um, you know, if something like this, whether it's COVID, whether it's a backup in the Suez Canal, you know, whatever the next thing is, because there will be something. Mm-hmm. Um, Murphy's law dictates it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or if, you know, we see year after year fires and floods and snowstorms and those kinds of things are, are something that's more tangible, especially on a day-to-day operation. Um, in a normal year, we don't anticipate getting 10 feet of snow in Southern Idaho. That's going to block us from doing anything, but, um, that could happen. Like that's a very tangible thing that we can relate to, or we've seen pictures of other agriculturalists. So we know something's going to happen at some point. It's just how to be, how to be prepared or, or how to give ourselves some grace too. you know, through those trying times or, you know, but that poor captain of the ship, like, I don't know what his story is. I don't know where he's, you know, why he was where he was at. I don't know all the logic logistics on why to get stuck. But that poor guy is the one everybody's kind of pointing fingers at a little bit. But we got to give him some grace. You know, he's just because it's a big ship and there's a lot of money, like we got to hold the people accountable. But we also got to know that freak things happen. Big windstorms happen. Tides, weird tides happen. Like we got to we got to give some grace and not get so up in arms sometimes about the stupid things people do. (laughs) Right. Um, grace is the thing that we always come back to in our, in our episodes. And I think it's, you know, especially important in this case, because number one, mother nature is going to do what she's going to do, whether it's windstorms, fires, floods, um, tides, you know, whatever it is. And it's easy to point fingers when you aren't the guy on the boat trying to get the boat unstuck. 
Um, I can't imagine that he's had a very pleasant time this last week or so. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I just can't even imagine being in his shoes. I can't imagine driving a ship of that magnitude one, but I can't imagine, (laughs) you know, trying to figure out how you're going to get this big thing, this big weight, you know, out and you're digging, you know, the little traco, which is probably the mother of tracos (laughs) is like, looks like a little play Tonka truck. (laughs) And And that's how, you know, they've got to start digging and you dig one little thing at a time, you know, and there's been a bunch of memes going around with it too. Like there's this big issue or this big thing. And we feel like we're this little Tonka truck digging our way, way past it. But that little Traco actually did some work and the tides helped, you know, raise it up. Um, and there's probably other equipment, but just because you feel like that little Traco too, with a big issue, like being stuck in the Suez canal, um, you still have an important role to play and you still can make an impact on it. It might not be, you might not get it removed in a day by yourself, but you are having an impact on it. And I think we also need to remind ourselves that that we can, we can make a difference and we can help somebody or something or help an industry, but we have to be willing to dig little by little at it or keep showing up, even though that big ships in our, in our way. I think that's a great point and a good thing to reflect on for agriculture. Um, you know, a lot of our issues and problems seems like, feels like that big ship that's lodged sideways, um, in an even bigger canal and all we've got is our little Tonka truck to try and either dam something up or dig something out Um, and it seems like you know maybe on the local level our efforts aren't doing very much but combine that with a lot of a lot of little efforts from all over the place um, and working together as a team kind of like we talked about last week in our episode about how agriculture finally came together um, you know on the pause initiative and still is coming together um, is, you know, watching this very carefully and, and being a united voice um, is, you know, is an important um, action to be able to take. Yeah, no, and it seems I, back in middle school, I wrote this poem, we're going way back, and I'm on a squirrel train a little bit. Um, but how I, I use the analogy of a snowflake, like, as a human, like we're one snowflake and one snowflake falling isn't going to do a whole lot. But the minute a whole bunch of snowflakes start falling and we band together, like significant things can happen. Significant, you know, snow can build up, wind can happen, you know, ice can form and things. And so sometimes just because you think you're a little tiny snowflake or a little tiny Tonka truck, but if we all get together and we all start working together, if they'd have had not that you could put that many tracos because it was in the water, but you start getting multiple other things. You get a Tonka truck, you get a tugboat, you get tides, you get, you know, different people working on this problem. And, and we were able to get it out in a week, you know, we were able to, to dis dislodge it where if everybody would have said, well, I can't, I can't help with this problem. If the tugboat wouldn't have showed up, if the traco wouldn't have showed up, if mother nature wouldn't have, you know, helped with the tides, that boat would still be there. And so even though these issues in whatever agriculture, and we feel like we're this little thing, 
let's start putting all our resources together. You know, it's going to take more than just one traco to get the thing out. It's going to take more than just Catherine and I talking about the pause initiative to get it to not get voted in on the ballot. We've got to use all our resources. We've got to be willing to try something, you know, what, what happens, you know, what happens if that traco would have got stuck? What happens if the tugboat would have sank? What happens if, you know, there's all these things that could have happened in that situation and using it as an analogy more than anything, but you know, what happens, but it didn't and we're out and things are moving again, you know? And so we've got to, we got to put ourselves out there because there's times that the track is going to get stuck. It's going to tip over. The tugboat's going to happen. We're going to get a flat tire, but we've got to be courageous and brave enough and tenacious enough to fix that flat tire. Let's get the track unstuck and let's keep chipping away at this big problem that sits right in front of us or that we feel like we can't, we can't attack. Absolutely. I think that's a great note to end on to leave our listeners with some food for thought this week. Yeah. And I think um, listeners, we want to hear from you. What are your thoughts on all this? What's your, you know, how did it affect your operations if you're in agriculture? How did it affect your buying capacity um, if, as consumers? We want to hear from you. What what have you seen in the supply chain? What have you seen in your communities? How are you making a difference? We, we definitely want to hear from you. And you can reach out to us either through social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or you can email us at talktous at millennialag.com. Until next week, we are Millennial Ag.